Hey, thanks so much for being here. This is My City Church, and this is our podcast. We hope you are inspired to love God, love people, and lead in life. Enjoy the message. Oh, what a blessing it was to be able. We doubled the amount of gifts and people that we served as we did last year. I, I don't know if any of you guys were here when you were, when I heard me say that. I said it felt like the Holy Spirit said we got to be ready to double it. And uh, I haven't gotten a word yet. If uh, we're supposed to triple it yet, God. Okay, got to wait. All right, we'll figure out that one uh, when the time comes. And uh, I'm just so glad and the generosity of our church to be able to bless so many people in our city. And uh, I believe that this is an initial step that God's calling this church towards and different levels of influence in this city. Sometimes it starts with generosity and sowing into people uh, practically before you're able to sow into them spiritually. And so I believe that we have paved a way and uh, hundreds of people's lives just yesterday from uh, your rich generosity. So may you be richly rewarded that you may abound in every good work in your lives, in your businesses, and in your marriage. So thank you, church. Yeah, put your hands together again for our church this morning. Come on. We're going to conclude our Christmas series where we've been talking about the story of the two lost sons. How many have been enjoying this kind of talk a little bit? Over the last few weeks, last week we talked about the older brother. Week one, we talked a little bit, of, a lot about the younger brother, a little bit about the older brother. And uh, this week, we're actually going to be talking about the father. So how many of you have your Bibles here today? Let me see them. Lift them up in the air. Say, this is my Bible. Say, speak to me, Bible. <laughs> I had one person, this was their first time at church. They're like, do you guys do that every week? That sounds kind of weird. Where, Yeah, we do. <laughs> it's just me like, we believe that the, the Word of God is the words of God and that God speaks through the Word of God. Everyone wants to hear the voice of God, but not many people want to put the effort into reading what He's already said. So that's why we say that, because I believe that God speaks initially through the Word of God. Have I ever heard the audible voice of God? No, I don't really think I have, but I have heard Him through His Scripture. And his Holy Spirit puts impressions upon my heart because I'm being transformed by the renewing of my mind. And that happens through the reading of his word. So get in the word of God. We're excited to be able to give you a Bible reading plan in two weeks for you to be able to do that as well. But you can open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. We're going to continue in this story of the two sons. This is a parable that Jesus was sharing to the Pharisees of that time. A parable is just a way of 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 I need the JBQ kids in here today because they have this question. A parable is a way of, of explaining heavenly principles in earthly terms. And uh, so God would say, like, the kingdom of heaven is like. And so here God is describing the kingdom of heaven. It's a spiritual kingdom. It's not a physical one. But it's kind of how do we interact with the, the kingdom of heaven? How do we interact with the kingdom of God? And we're picking up kind of halfway through the story. The story begins with a... a two sons, and the younger son basically says, dad, you're as good as dead to me. Can I just have your inheritance now? Can you like cash in that 401k and or that Roth IRA and take the penalties as it is and just give me my share because uh, you're as good as dead to me. And so he takes his father's share. His father divides that amongst the two brothers and he goes out and he spends all the money. And uh, he ends up coming back home uh, after he has a recollection. And we'll talk about that a little bit in this message today. But I want to first share with you the father's heart and then share with you the son's story. 
and then go back to the father's heart. So we see the father's heart through this response that he gives to seeing his son from a distance. It's verse 22 we pick up. It says, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, immediately restoration of status is what that was. Sandals on his feet, evidently he was barefoot. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. He was probably skinny and scrawny because he hadn't eaten. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. How many people I have taken notes in here? Let me see on your phone or anything like that. It's important to take notes. You're not going to recall everything I say, which I don't expect you to. But there's some things that the Holy Spirit will speak through me. I'm believing to your particular situation uh, that you're going through right now. So make sure that you're taking notes. But put this down for your title today. The Father's Heart. I believe that I have a mandate right now to the best of my ability to explain and reveal the Father's heart to his children today. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We pray that you'd open our ears to see you. Open our eyes to see you today, God. We want to know you. We want to know the Father's heart today. God, so I pray that your will would be done here on earth. God, here in this room, as it is in heaven. And if you're ready for the word of God today, would you open up your hands and say these words after me? Say, Lord, come on, say it like you're hungry today, like you need a word from God today. Say, Lord, speak to me. I'm listening. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Come on, would you put your hands together for the word of God today? Come on. Come on, it's going to be a great day in the house. Now, if I haven't had the opportunity to meet you yet, uh, you will soon find out that I have four amazing children. I got Eva, she's six. Winston, he's five. Nora, she's three, going on four. And then Margaret, she is a fireball, and she is two. And I enjoy being a dad. Uh, It's one of the greatest privileges I have and things that I have been entrusted with. Next to my wife, which is the first thing that God has entrusted me with, my kids also, I enjoy being a dad. It has its ups and downs, don't get me wrong, but I really do enjoy it. I have the great opportunity to shape an individual, to shape a human being and how they perceive the world. Uh, I also have the great responsibility to do that. And like with every responsibility, there is the possibility that I can get it wrong. How many of y'all thankful that God can even help our kids, even when we as parents get it wrong? I'm so thankful because I get it wrong all the time. There's plenty of times where I've had to apologize to my kids. Hey, I may have jumped the gun on that or, you know, I reacted out of that rather than processed it with you. And as a dad, you know, I have my flaws too. But how many know that we have a heavenly father in heaven, right? And sometimes our perspective of our father in heaven can be shaped by our earthly father in our lives today. That our perspective of how God treats us, how his heart is towards us, can be shaped by our earthly perspective of our parental figure. So we can say God is our father in heaven, but depending on 
your upbringing or the per, your parental figure in your life, that comes with a lot of different connotations. What does it mean, my father? Because for some of us, that can bring about great difficulty and, and hurt. It uh, just depends on what our story was like, what our, our, our childhood was like. And I think it's important for us right now that I feel like the Holy Spirit is, is sending me here to be able to set the record straight on the heart of a father, on the heart of our father in heaven. And I want to be able to unpack this story of the prodigal son, which is what he's usually referred to. Some call him the lost son. He's the younger son that, that took his father's wealth and ran away. And I want to pick up in this story after he had left, after he had took all of his father's wealth that was entitled to him, really. It was entitled to him as a younger brother to have a third of the father's possession because there was two children and the older would get twice as much as the younger. So he had a third and two thirds is more than a third. So math, you know, (laughs) math. We didn't come to school today, Pastor Eli. We came to hear the word of God. Make my brain hurt. All right. Anyways. All right. We can have fun up here every once in a while, right? All the time. Luke 15, verse 13. This is picking up um, after the son had left. The Bible says that not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. That's why it's always important to have uh, an emergency fund. We're not good. This wasn't, I'm not talking about going to the finances today, but maybe I need to be able to explain. He spent everything and then the famine came. Uh, sometimes it's important not to buy everything that your soul and heart desires at the moment, but to always have a little bit set aside, you know, for financial emergencies so that you don't have to trust Uncle Visa to be able to take care of your, your needs. Uh, but anyways, I digress because that's not where we're going today. Maybe that was for someone today. You can sign, check that off and you're done for the day. That's your word. <laughs> I believe God's going to speak to you today. And I believe that this message that we're tackling here today is arguably the most powerful revelation that we can have as Christians. So he squandered his wealth. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. And he began, he began to be in need. Can I tell you that it's a good place to know that you are in need? Can I tell you that we all actually have a need? And no matter what you've been seeking to fulfill that need, no matter what you've been trying to fill it with outside of the will of God, can I tell you, in your deepest need, it's always fulfilled in Christ. That no matter what you've done, can I tell you that no matter how far you've gone, that you can always come home. That the door is never shut. God's never turned his back on you. It was most likely us that turned our back on him. The Bible says that he never leaves us or forsakes us. So in this kingdom of God, you are always welcome. We're always welcome. And I find it good and to know the fact that in times when we feel like we deserve God the least is when we actually need his presence the most. That when we feel like we don't have the right to come before God, that that is the time when we need him the most. And we can be 
reassured at the fact that he never even turned his back on us. That all we ever have to do is really just come home. That we can know that we can seek him when we're struggling, like right in the middle of our struggle. Not just when we're on our best behavior, but also when we are on our worst behavior. Can I tell you that God has never turned his back on you? He's never turned his back on me. And we see this. We see the Father's heart through this story. So there's a severe famine. He began to be in need. So verse 15, he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs, to feed pigs. That was detestable for a Jewish person to do at that day and time. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were, pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. We live in a world where people are longing to be filled by something that can never truly satisfy. He had seen the resources of his father before, but he no longer had the reality of his relationship with him. He hadn't been in need before, but now he finds himself in need, eating what the pigs eat. He was obsessed with everything that the world was obsessed over, something that he thought the people could give him, but what only the Father has. This is the dilemma that we have with the world today. This is the dilemma that us have in the world today, that we have a propensity to find our fulfillment in the world, trying to find something that only the Father in heaven can fulfill. So we seek it through the world. We seek feeding off of what the world feeds us. And we're constantly checking and liking and, and subscribing and unsubscribing and, and loving and, and, and disliking. And if you can't really even do that anymore, but I think they've disabled that function. But we long to get full from something such as that was feeding the pigs. So we're always going around checking how many people are liking my posts, how many people are checking in on me, what this person's up to. And we're trying to find fulfillment in something that can never fulfill us. And we find out that everything in our feed is really only making us more hungry. So we're trying to get something that we can only get in the Father. So he's trying to find something that he didn't even realize, but he had it all along. And I'm here to tell us today that, guys, we need to be reminded this day in and day out. The world does not have what we are looking for. This side of heaven, it doesn't have what we're looking for. It has joy. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. Oh, I'm just called to be miserable. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about purpose. Because you can have everything. You can have all the money in the world, but still lack peace. And when you find that some of the richest people in the world can tell you, hey, do you have peace? Because that's what they're looking for. Money doesn't buy you peace. Jesus is the prince of peace. And the only way we can get peace is actually through him. The world cannot give it. The father has it. The world can't give it. Can I tell you, your friends don't have it. Your family doesn't have it. Your business doesn't have it. Now, these things can all be conduits, but they are not the source. So we find him longing to be filled with something that can never fill him. Luke 15, 17 says, when he came to his senses, he said to himself, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am 
starving to death. He's hungry. He's hungry. Can I tell you that it's good to be hungry? Because everyone's hungry to an extent. We just got to learn how to point it in the right direction. That you will always hunger for something. And if it's, frankly, if it's this side, if you're looking for fulfillment, this side of heaven, you're not going to find it. Spouses, can I tell you that your wife does not fill you? She, She doesn't. He doesn't. Your spouse doesn't fill you. That's not how it works. I'm filled first by Christ, right? If I'm looking for my spouse to complete me, all I'll end up doing is draining them. I'm not called to drain them. I'm called to fill their cup. And I can't fill them with something that I myself do not have. And sometimes in order for me to give love to my spouse, I got to first realize how much that I am loved. Can I get an amen in here today? That I need to know how much Christ loves me in order for me to selflessly love my spouse. So it's good to be hungry to an extent. The Bible says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, which means that every single person is hungry. It's just, what are you hungry for? Hunger is used as a motivator. You start to find creative things to eat and everything starts looking good if you're hungry. Can I get it right? Like when we fast, those potatoes look delicious. (laughs) Not if they're not fried. Like I feel like I could take a bite out of a potato or out of a lemon. Everything starts to look good. When you're hungry, Bible says just to be hungry for the right things. And so what you do when you're hungry determines if you will be hungry again. The Bible says if you knew who it was who offered you a drink, you would drink and you would thirst for more. I would give you water, living water. So there's a hunger and thirst that only comes from God, our Father in heaven. The verse says that when he came to his senses, he realized the Father has what he is looking for, hungry for, starving for. Can I tell you that this Christmas, this church has what the world is hungry for, looking for. We have what the world is starving for. We got a relationship with the Father. Everything else will leave the world empty. We have what the world is hungry for. Because there's a world starving out there looking for answers. God, if you cannot see it, you just got to turn on the news for a second. We're looking for it everywhere. We're looking for the solutions to our problems everywhere. Everywhere but in the Word. In our relationship with the Father in heaven, we're trying to fill it. We think it's going to bring satisfaction but satisfaction is not found in the world in the accumulation of, ble- of, of possessions. No, it's not. It's not found in that. We find this young man, he was begging for scraps. And then he realized that my father's minimum wage workers were doing better than he was. But he knew that it's available to him. It was his. It was his. Not by his behavior, but by his birth. And he takes a moment. He comes to his senses. He realizes that my father didn't move. No, I did. I find myself, I move away from the father all the time. I can't tell you how many times I've 
making it a point to read my Bible, only put it back on the shelf or to collect dust. I can't tell you how many times I've promised to pursue God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, only to pick up my bad habits later. I can't tell you how many times that I've promised, God, I'll never do that again, only to do it again. Am I alone in here? I think that's a story for a lot of us. And we got to be able to come to our senses. And we have to be able to know that the Father never left. That his doors always open his arms. He's actually looking for us. So the Father didn't move. He did. So he realized, if I moved, if I left, you know what that means? I can go back. Right? If I left home, I can go back home. And some of us need to come home today. The son came home. You don't come home in your physical body. You come home in your spirit. And we got to find ourselves coming home on a constant basis. Can I tell you, it's okay to cry out, God, I need you again. Can I tell you, that's a good place to be. When you realize that you need God, I need him in my marriage. I need him in my parenting. I need him in my work. I need him in my friendships. I need him in my darkest times of my life. I need him in my highest of mountaintops and my lowest of valleys. I think he realized that he had been gone long enough. So he came home. Coming home is not something physically you do, but it's actually something mentally that you do. Coming home doesn't look like a house, but it actually looks like peace. It means to come home and be true to really what's going on in your heart, not just what people perceive, because it's easy to perceive on the outward, but God looks at the heart. That doesn't mean that we undermine the outward appearance, right? But we understand man looks on the outward, but God looks at the heart. It means coming home to be true to who you are. Write this down today. Coming home means to be known. And to be known means to be vulnerable. To be vulnerable carries the risk of being rejected. And at the chance that we might be rejected, we've learned not to ever be true. But to really be home and to really be loved is to know that in spite of your faults, you're still loved. In spite of your shortcomings, to come home means to be known. Because it's so easy to only show the parts of us that we think are acceptable. But can I tell you, eventually, you get in your life a level of maturity. I'm not talking this doesn't come with age, but this comes with revelation. Eventually, you come to your senses and you say to yourself, I have got to go to where I am known. That I'm tired of pretending to be something that I'm not. I'm tired of faking it. I, I, I just want to be, I'm tired of, I just want to be known that, yeah, this is me and all of my successes and all of my failures. It was fun doing all that stuff. Yeah, but here he is. And I think he came to a revelation that no one here knows him. Now we say welcome home as a church, 
But home is not a place where you go to sleep. Home is a place where you can find peace. And you cannot find peace if you're continually living a lie, even sometimes to yourself. And I find this revelation in the story. So we find out in verse 18, he says, I will set out and I'll go back to my father. And I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. He says, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And he connected his ability to belong to his behavior. Not to his birth. And as believers, we can never let this dictate our relationship with God. My behavior, I know what I do and sometimes what I don't want to do, even that I do. We cannot let our identity and what we do shape our our perspective of the Father's heart towards us. He connected his belonging to his behavior. So verse 20, it says that he got up and went to his father. But get this, this is where we pivot right here. We've been talking about the son. We've been talking about us. We've been talking about where we've been in our lives time and time again. Sometimes a long time ago, sometimes last night. We've been talking about us, but now we get a glimpse of the father's heart. Pick this up, verse 20. He got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his sons, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. He welcomed him home. We find the son never even really had the chance to give his apology note. We find that before he even said a word, the father was looking for him. Before he even had a chance to write out and speak his speech, the father saw him a long way off. While he was still a long way off, The father saw him. Can I tell you that this is the heart of the father? That he saw past the waist. He saw past the clothes that he was wearing that were dirty. He saw past the foolishness. He saw him and filled with compassion ran to him. He saw his son. Even though he looked like a slave in the moment, God saw his son. The unique son, through all the layers, the father saw the mistakes that you would make. Can I tell you, he saw everything that you did, that you're doing, and everything that you're going to do. And after he forgave you, he yet still chose to forgive you anyway. After he knew everything that you're going to do, he chose to forgive you anyway. This is the heart of the Father, that he no longer sees you through the lens of your lowest moments, but sees you through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Come on, can I get an amen in this place today? God no longer sees us by what we did. God no longer sees us by that time when I cursed him. And I let my anger get the best of me. God no longer sees me through that lens. He says, no, your, kin- your sin is cast away as far as the east is from the west. He sees you like he sees his son. The father saw him. The father saw the next phase of our lives. He saw how he was going to use this. This moment. He saw how he was going to restore the son. And I think the father was saying, 
Not that I see all these raggedy clothes and these dirty and the slave. No, I see my son. He saw his son. He saw his son. He saw his son coming home, but he also saw his son as in Jesus Christ. Can you see yourself beyond the pattern of behavior that you have? Can you see yourself that you're actually a son of God in Christ? That you're more than what you've done, are doing? He doesn't see you through that lens. He sees you through the lens of his son who was perfect in every way. Now, this only applies to us if we have given our lives over to Jesus. And the Bible says that if we haven't given our lives to, over to him, that he actually opposes us. But the moment we just turn, we give our life over to him, it happens in a moment. You're his son. It doesn't happen in the physical. It happens in the heart. The Bible says that he sees where you are weak, and he's compelled to come running to you anyways. He knows every hair on your head, which to me, that reveals the fact that he's not far away because you can't count hairs far away. You've got to be close to be able to count every single split end. The Father sees you. My dad saw me. I didn't have to see my dad when I was playing baseball. I played baseball for 12 years. I was, I was a fanatic. I was devoted, man. I played, I gave my life to that sport. I was good. I was good. I was, I was, I was good. Back in my day. <laughs> but I loved playing baseball because I knew when I could hear my dad. I could hear him. And he, was a, he was a rowdy dad. Like, I got on base. If I had a triple home run, whatever that may be, he was jumping off the fence. And they're like, that's Eli's dad. I'm like, you're right. That's my dad. That's my dad. Not ashamed of it. My dad's at my games. <laughs> I didn't do that. I did not do that. I did not do that. I only did that a few times. I didn't do that. I could, the thing is, I could always hear my dad. And this is the verse that I'm here to send to you today to describe the Father's heart. John 10, 27 says this. We're reading now the New King James Version. It says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. What is your perspective of God the Father? We'll leave this verse up. How does God sound to you? Do you know the Father's heart? What does it sound like? He said, my sheep hear my voice. And if his voice does not line up with his character, I'm afraid to tell you you're listening to the wrong voice. So if his sheep hear his voice, can I tell you the opposite is also true? That if you hear his voice and you know his voice, that means that you're his sheep. That's why it's so important to be able to know the Father's heart. You know what the Father sounds like. And if you know the Father's heart, you cannot help but be his sheep. Because I know my Father in heaven. So hearing the heart of the Father and how he perceives you can either become your prison or your platform. <laughs> 
It is your choice. And I'm here today to be able to reflect to you the heart of a father. Could it be that knowing God and God's voice is knowing what he sounds like? And the heart of the father towards us when we are far from him? I love my kids. Now we'll welcome up keys at this moment. I'm like on time this time. So they're like, do we still go up? Like, because he's always running over. You know, sometimes we're playing for like 15 minutes. <laughs> I love my kids as a dad. Because even if they don't see me, they know my voice. They know when I'm shouting. They know when I'm hollering. They know when I'm coming home. Even if they don't recognize me, they know my voice. Even if I'm on the other side of the door, even if I'm shouting, go to bed, <laughs> they know my voice. Even when I cut my hair, because this hair's coming off. It's coming off. <laughs> New year, it's coming off. Winston and I, we're going to go get haircuts together. I'm pumped. I used to always have short hair. But I'm going to, I want to do this thing where, you know, ever seen that when the dad looks different, right? And just kind of see the reaction. I want to do that to my kids and put them through that. I'll record it. I'll post it on Instagram. I'm going to cut it off. But my kids are still going to recognize me. It's not about what I look like. It's about what I sound like. And if we fall in love with how God looks, we will always be disappointed. Because then we'll be more dependent on what it looks like rather than what he has spoken. So in your life, you got to be able to be dependent upon what God has said, not necessarily by what you see. I had this revelation the other day. Kelly abandoned me with the kids, as every dad should be every once in a while, left alone to know what mom so graciously takes care of every, you know, that's our situation. And uh, we were reading some books. And we do, each single kid gets a story. They get to read one story. Not necessarily a book, because we had one where they picked out like a big old Bible book. Here's my book. No, 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 that don't count. Like, There's stories in there. You get one story. And Margaret, man, if you guys know Margaret, Margaret's such a blessing from God. She has a unique personality that I'm, I'm really praying that the Holy Spirit helps me shape. Because I feel like... She, all my kids are going to be a, a force that the darkness has to reckon with. Um, in this one particular, though, we're learning how to parent her the best. And I'm reading, she goes, Papa, another book. And I go, Margaret, we already did your story. I'm like, you know, the calm dad. Like, Margaret, we already did one story. And she goes, no, another book. No, 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 we already read yours. And I picked it up and I said, see, this was Margaret's. I've read these other ones. This one was Margaret's. We already read that. And now she started getting a little feisty. She goes, another book. Margaret, we already read another book. We have yours. We read yours. She goes, two books. And so in my most calm but affirmative dad voice, I said, Margaret, we already read one story. No two books, one book. And this thing came over her. 
that I didn't really know how to respond to. But it was this scowl, this, this meanest look that you could have in your entire life. And she said, no, two books, you little baby. Can I tell you, you can curse without cursing. And she very well could have just flipped me off right at that moment. And so I calmly, I didn't, I didn't overreact, which I've done before in the past. And I've had to ask, sorry, hey, sorry, dad lost his cool. I just, I put the book down and I stood up and she took off to her room. And she knew what was coming to her. In our house, we do believe that there are boundaries that sometimes have to be set by discipline. And that disciplining usually comes in the shape of a hand. Not in a high five, but on the rear end. That's our parenting style. I believe it's working. We'll see if it works. It's a different approach. You got to take a different approach to every single kid. But so her, I got in her room and I, I, I said, hey, Margaret, you're going to be getting a spanking right now because we do not talk to our papa like that. And she was yelling, no, no, no. I, I gave her a spanking. And then I said, hey, when you're ready to talk, we'll talk. So she, what she does is she slams the door and she sits in front of the door, right? And I'm waiting on her. I'm waiting on her. When you're ready, right? Because sometimes there's consequences to our actions. And then we're like, well, how is God all loving? Because sometimes he has to push you over so you don't get hit by the car. Right? So don't get upset with God's consequences when you chose to cross the street during rush hour. Consequences are good. They are. Let me show you where the boundaries are. Consequences are good. We thank God for consequences because it teaches us, shapes us. But I was standing outside the door and I said, Margaret, are you ready to talk? Just yelling. Ow! Okay, she's two. Every parent, well, that explains a lot. <laughs> You go through these phases, parenting. And about 15 minutes went by, and she's still just. And so finally, I kind of pushed the door open and slid her on the carpet so I could get in. And I went and I sat on her bed. And then I was like, okay, this is her bed. I want to kind of respect her space. So I sat on the floor next to her bed. And she's yelling. And then she's crying. And all I did, uh, Margaret, do you want a hug? Right? And then she came over. She gave me a hug. You got to be able to use will, wisdom because sometimes kids are acting up because they're tired, right? And sometimes we care more about how the parent looks rather than how the child is doing. And so you got to be able to, and I, I kind of knew like, okay, she's getting really tired. And so this isn't always her, right? But took over and she, she, she gave me a hug. And, uh, she did one of those things, like I put the blanket around her. She'd already brushed her teeth. and uh, She had her Mimi, her pacifier, and we sat on the chair. And uh, I was sitting down, and she was doing one of those, those cries, you know, those deep chest cries. <laughs> like uncontrollable sobbing that you get. And she fell asleep. Probably within five to ten minutes of that. I explained to her why she got spanking. We, we had all that conversation, and I love you. And she said, I love you too. 
And uh, I didn't really realize this. And I don't really know where this is going, but I feel like I need to share this. While she was sleeping, she was still sobbing. It was the most peculiar thing. That she was sleeping, but she was still, <laughs> but she was out. Like her breathing slowed down and, and I couldn't help but think, like in my life, like where can I go that God's not right on the other side of the door, right? Like I've had those times in my life and I realized that God was never far. That even when I tore down every stop sign and stoplight to just bulldoze my way as far away from God that I could go, right? I look back and I realize that I, I was far, but I wasn't really far. That he was still on the other side of the door. And I'm here to be able to tell you today that the Father's heart, that's the Father's heart. That's the Father's heart for you. That's the Father's heart. Every single person that comes through these doors and visits this church, attends this church, is a member of this church, that's the Father's heart for every single person that doesn't even go to church. That it's just the door. And sometimes people are, I've been there where I've been yelling at God. I've been there where I've cursed God. And some of my most frustrating points, God can handle it. What he wants is your honesty. How are you really doing? How are you feeling? Are you tired? Do you need a hug? How are you feeling, son? How are you feeling, daughter? And I was reminded of this verse, and you can stand to your feet as we close. It was Psalm 139, verse 7. As David says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? We'll go to the next verse. If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, some versions say, if I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light becomes night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for the darkness is as light to you. I think it's important for us to know, and I don't think we're going to go into that, that last song. I think we need to actually end it right here. That you're never far from God. Sometimes you just need to come home. Just come home in your spirit first. And I want to give that moment. If that's you today, saying, I, I want to come home today. I want to come to the Father today in my heart. I know I'm in church, but I need to come home in my heart. I want to say a prayer with you, and I'm going to ask that you lift up your hand just so I know who's, who I'm praying for today. And uh, we're going to come to the Father together. So whether you came to God for the first time in your life or you're coming back to the Father today, today's your day to come home. So if, I'm, if I know, want to know who I'm praying for today, can you lift up your hand? Shut up your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand right there. Thank you so much for listening today. And we want to give a special thank you to those that give so generously to My City Church. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you would like to give today, 
please hit the link in the description or go to our website at mycitychurch.cc forward slash give. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit the subscribe button and share it on all of your social media. We love you so much. We'll see you next week. God bless.